To say that we're living in challenging and unprecedented times is an understatement. And I think those words have been overused. Um, and, and it's just amazing. It's just, just beyond comprehension. Um, if the challenges of the last couple of years weren't enough, dealing with, with COVID, with all of the uh, political bickering and, 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 and attacks and hatred on both sides and the racial tensions, if all of that wasn't enough, now we have the war in Russia and Ukraine, or in Ukraine with the threats of the use of nuclear weapons. And if that was to happen, that could very quickly escalate and draw in other nations to enter the theater of war. And so this morning, as we, as we come together as the body of Christ, as the people of God, we need to be praying for the lives that are being affected people that are dying, people that are suffering, people that are fleeing, people that are you know, uh, in the midst of a war. We need to pray for the souls of Ukraine and Russia. God loves all people. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So we need to be, to be about our Father's business and, and be concerned about those that are suffering, those that are being affected. And the ripple effect around the world, because it is having a ripple effect, the price of food. Inflation is just spiraling out of control. And, you know, I don't know if man has the answers, but I do know God has the answers. And I think during times like this, the people uh, of God are uh, struck with more of a sense of urgency to look to God in prayer, to, to make God the priority that he ought to be, but to, to make sure he is because the foundations are being shaken. You know, God, the word of God tells us in, in, in Haggai, and then again it's spoken of in Hebrews, the Lord says, I will shake the heavens and the earth so that everything that can be shaken will be shaken so that the only thing that will remain secure and solid and stable is the foundation that we have in God. So during times like this, people are asking, are these the end times? Is Putin the Antichrist? Are these the wars and the rumors of wars that Jesus talked about that would precede his return? Are these the birth pains that are the signs of the second coming? Nobody knows the day or the hour that Jesus will return. But the scriptures speak over and over again, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, prophetically of the second coming, of the return of Jesus Christ to earth of a culmination of battles of, of wars and warfare that will culminate with Christ coming to set up his kingdom. And so, although we don't know the, the ramifications of what's going on, all of the prophetic significance, how do we fit this, I think sometimes uh, we, we try to fit things in. Uh, what's going on, we try to fit them into the scripture. You know, we, we try to... Uh, uh, look at some prophecy and, and kind of sometimes we almost twist it. So I don't want to do that this morning. I just want to read a few scriptures and I'm going to tie this in to the message. But I just want to read a few scriptures. If you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24 verse 4. Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceive you. 
That's why you're listening to the word of God this morning, so that you will not be easily deceived. When you know the truth, you're, you're much more able to identify error. Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And they will, then many will be offended and will betray one another. And will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And listen, and because of lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. Turn over one gospel to Matthew, I'm sorry, to Mark 13. Mark 13. Verse 32, but of that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each one his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all. Watch. Turn over one more gospel. Luke 21. Luke 21. Verse 25. And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, in the stars, and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, in the sea and the waves roaring. Listen, men's hearts failing them from fear. If we've ever seen that in this hour, in this moment in history, men's hearts failing them from fear in the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great authority. Now when these things begin to happen, look up. Lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. In the three uh, Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we see this, this continual uh, warning by Jesus. Continually preparing his disciples and all of his disciples to come throughout the, the age. And, and we'd see in Matthew, it says, watch therefore, for you don't know when the Lord is coming. Therefore be ready, for the Son of Man is coming when you do not expect him. Again in Mark, watch therefore. Luke, watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape these things. You see, these scriptures speak to the signs of the times that we're living in these perilous times, they speak prophetically to every generation, every generation. You might say, well, again, this has been going on for hundreds of years, but, but the truth of the matter is that, that we are always, whatever generation we're in, there is still the call to be ready. There is still the call to be watchful. There's still the call to be vigilant. 
And you see there are prophetic signs, there are uh, prophecies in the Old Testament and the New Testament and these teachings are given not to necessarily satisfy every prophetic curiosity that you have. What I mean by that, they're not given so that you could identify every character on the world stage in every country, in every situation, be able to make this perfect uh, prophetic chart and identify everything. I mean, I used to have one of those prophetic charts. I ripped it up because it's, it's all in shambles. I, you know, there's no way to identify the Bible or pro- prophecies were not given to satisfy our prophetic curiosities, but to make us vigilant, watchful, and ready. That was the purpose. Jesus would say, watch, therefore. And when these signs are happening, they ought to make you hypervigilant, hypersensitive, ready and, 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 and watching and aware of what's going on. So the message is for all of us, what is God saying? What is, what is imperative? What is critical in this hour? I believe what it's always been. Watch and pray. We pray for the nations. We pray, my heart goes out to the the churches in Ukraine. My heart goes out to Christians in Russia. Do you know that there are vibrant, Pentecostal, Bible-believing churches in both countries? People who love Jesus just like you and I. People who are disciples of Jesus that are suffering right now. One pastor that I had read his book many years ago, a Nigerian pastor, Sunday Adelaide, something like that. Close enough. I'll ask him to try to pronounce my last name. He went several years ago from Nigeria to Ukraine and raised up a church of thousands of people. God's used him powerfully. Uh, But I just found out in the last week he fled the country. He left the church, millions of dollars worth of buildings, his home, everything. Putin put put him on a hit list to kill him. I mean, just think of the chaos. Just think of what is going on in our world, how millions of people are being affected. And I know, I've said this before. I said this after 9-11. Some of you weren't even born back then. I said the world will never be the same again. There'll never be this, this, this peace and safety and, and everything going. I mean, there's going to be wars. There's going to be pandemics. There's going to be all kinds of stuff. And it's imperative that you and I do what we're talking about. Become those disciples that follow Jesus closely, that live our lives in obedience to the master, that, that are about his kingdom and his plan and his purpose. Can you say amen? So the message is still the same. Be ready. Be prayerful. Be vigilant. Be watchful. Be fully devoted followers of Christ. And I'm going to go quickly in case you're concerned uh, with the time. Don't be. The game just went into overtime. If you remember our themes or our one word characteristics that represent principles in this discipleship process, we're looking at how Jesus made disciples, how Jesus discipled his first followers. The first point that we looked in was selection. He chose his disciples, just like he chose you and I. Turn to the person next to you and say, he chose you. You were chosen. You were chosen. I thank God. I don't know about you, but if I were God, I wouldn't have chose me. But God isn't like us. He's merciful. He's gracious. He's good. He chooses us in spite of our weaknesses, our frailties, our idiosyncrasies, the ways that we all have, the peculiar ways. Don't look at me like that. All I have to do is talk to your spouse and I'll find out some good stories. 
but he chose us, amen, he selected us. And then association was the second word. That means he spent time with them and they with him, just like you and I in prayer and in the word and in worship, we spend time with Jesus. And then there's the consecration that we looked at, that, that, that point of obedience where we learn to obey the master, we learn to obey his word, and we realize we're not living for ourselves, we're living for Christ and his kingdom. Then there's impartation, where, where God, where Jesus imparted his life to his disciples, and he's still doing that today, and, and we impart to one another what God has put in us and what we've learned and how we've grown and, and developed. And then this demonstration we looked at last week, Jesus said, do as I do. His life was one object lesson. He showed them how to live. You know, people don't necessarily do what you say, they do what they see. They don't do what you say necessarily, they do what they see you do. If you think it's okay, if you think it's not important to really pay attention when the sermon's preached, someone that you're discipling might look over you and say, well, they're not really that in tune with the word of God. They don't think the word's that important. They think what they're doing on their phone is. Hello? Some of you are glad you just got off your phone. A great illustration of this demonstration, this past week, our faithful sound man, our audio technician. His father passed away last week. That following Sunday, Rob, just a few days later, Rob was in the sound booth faithfully fulfilling his ministry as he has done for the last 10 years. We tried to get him to sit down in the congregation and just chill and be ministered to that Sunday, but he said no. I, can't, I come to find out that his father, who was dying with, of cancer, was faithfully doing the church's finances up until the last week before he passed away. What was his father doing? His father was demonstrating to his son faithfulness no matter what in his service to the Lord. Can you give God praise? And we appreciate you, Rob. We appreciate you, Rob, for honoring the legacy of your father. You see, Rob's father demonstrated commitment and faithfulness to Christ church, and Rob has honored that awesome example. Praise the Lord. And what I want to do and share in just these next few minutes is, is look at the sixth principle, delegation. Delegation. This is the sixth principle. We have two more after this supervision, supervision next week and reproduction the week after, God willing. Delegation is to designate a person or a group to act for and represent another, to commit powers and functions to another as an agent. Let's read John chapter 20. I promise you my, in, my message is not going to be as long as my introduction. John chapter 20. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Now when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Then Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. 
And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. We want to look at this principle rather quickly, delegation. Again, it's to designate a person or a group to act for or represent another, to commit power functions to another as an agent. You and I as the church, you and I as Christians, as the body of Christ, God has delegated to us the power, the authority. He has committed to us the grace to be about his business, to do his work. And that's what we're doing, amen? Many of you, most of you, are disciples of Jesus Christ. And you see, for the life, in the life of Jesus when he was on earth, everything he had been doing, teaching, spending time with his disciples, praying, leading by examples, was to bring his disciples to a point where they would take over his work when he was physically gone. That's what we're doing today. Think about that. In every ministry you do, every act of service, every participate, time you participate in, in the work of God and pray and witness and share and disciple, you are carrying on the delegated authority that God has given to the church and you and I are doing his work. Amen? You see, what he was about, he wanted them to be about. What he was about, he wants us to be about. It's talking about the principle of delegation. What was interesting this past week uh, for the State of the Union address by our president, our very own former governor, uh, Gina Raimondo, uh, who is now the um, Secretary of Commerce, she was designated the designated survivor meaning that while all of the leadership of our government were at the Capitol, she was in a secure location in case there was a catastrophic event. She would have been the one who had the delegated authority now to be the leader of our country. Our very own, Gina Raimondo, isn't that pretty cool? But that was delegated authority. You see, you and I this morning we have the delegated authority of God at our backing. You and I go in the name of Jesus. Do you realize that this morning? You see, Jesus was always building his ministry for a time when his disciples would have to take over his work and go and do the work of redeeming a lost world back to God. That is still in force today. That is still what God calls us to do. Jesus is gone physically, but by his spirit, he has given and delegated authority, and you and I are doing his bidding. You and I are doing his work. I want to look at three points quickly. I'm telling you, these points are going to be quick. You better write them down. You better pay attention. If you blink, if you nod out, I'm going to be on my second point. Number one, he's, he gave them a delegated authority. He sent them with his peace. He sent them with his peace. Look at verse 19. It says, peace to you. Verse 21, peace to you. He sent them with his peace. How critical is that this morning? 
The question is why? Why did, he, why did he speak peace to them? Well, let's look at the scriptures. It says the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, with, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. The disciples were locked in a room because they were living in fear because the ones that had killed Jesus were coming for them. I don't know about you, but I'd be a little fearful too. Do you know that some fear is normal and natural? You should be afraid of playing in traffic on 95. You should be afraid of going to Roger Williams Zoo and stepping into the lion's den. If you're not afraid, something's wrong with you. They were in fear. The, the, the issue is, we all have fears, but we don't let fears control us. That's where we have a problem. We learn to deal with our fears, and how did they deal with the fear, or how did God help them? How did Jesus help them? He spoke peace to them. Why? Because they were living with confusion and uncertainty. How are we living today? What's going on in our world? This fear, this uncertainty, this confusion. We don't know what tomorrow's going to bring, but the peace of God is still with us, and Jesus still speaks peace to his people. He is Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is my peace, and I need peace, and you need peace. You're not going to get it in a bottle. You're not going to get it uh, through TV. You're not going to get it through some hobby. You're going to get it in the presence of God. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Can you say amen? amen. Jesus still gives peace in the midst of a storm. No matter what that storm is, whether it's the storm of COVID. We could paraphrase that. For fear, for fear of COVID, all the Christians were locked in their house. Jesus comes and speaks peace. There's a war and there are rumors of war. Should we be fearful? Yes, only as it drives us to God, but not to live in fear, but to receive the peace of God. Number two, I told you I'm going to go quick. He sent them with his program. He not only sent them with peace, but with his program. What do I mean by that? Look at verse 21. As the Father sent me, I also send you. Wow. As the Father sent Jesus, he's sending us? What does that mean? How did Jesus come? Jesus came to do the will of God. Jesus came to be about the Father's business. Jesus came to bring the message of redemption. And as the Father sent him, he's sending us. The purposes of God are the same. They have not changed. Throughout the Gospels, even in a, a book that we're reading for our life groups, Christ always affirmed his purpose for their lives. What is God's purpose for our life? To become famous, to become an influencer, to become great. No, God's purpose for our life is to do his will. I don't get to choose what his will is for my life. You don't get to choose what his will is. We just, we need to choose to obey his will. Jesus never promised us that there'd be smooth sailing. He just promised we'll get to the other side. And you see, we're about his program. What is his program? Preach the gospel. Preach the kingdom of God. What is the hope for people today? That there is a heavenly kingdom. 
What do you preach to people fleeing in war? What do you preach to people dying of sickness and disease? What do you preach to people that they're, they're, they're in poverty, they're suffering? What do you preach? Do you preach to them that there is another world? Amen. That there is the kingdom of heaven? That there is eternity? I know nobody's getting excited about that because nobody really wants to, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Everybody wants to push off heaven. As if this world is that great. Think about it. But what we, uh, we're, about, we're, we're telling people where there's hatred, where there's murder, where there's prejudice, where there's evil, where there's sickness, where there's death, there is hope because there is God's kingdom. It's a blessed hope. The blessed hope that Christ will return to take us back to be with him and to enjoy his eternal kingdom. Number three, he not only sent them with his peace, he sent them with his program, but he sent him with his power. He sent them, he sends us with his power. Look at verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Think about that this morning. You and I have the breath of God in our lungs. We have the spirit of God in us that we go not in our own power, not in our own might. What we do for God, we do under the inspiration and the power of God's Holy Spirit. That's our confidence. If I was left or you were left to your own devices, we wouldn't have much. But when we have the Holy Spirit, that's why Jesus told his disciples he says, I want you to, I don't, when, when, when you're in Jerusalem, I don't want you to go anywhere. I don't want you to preach a sermon. I don't want you to, to teach a Bible study. I don't want you to talk to anybody. I want you to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. I want you to tarry until you are endued with power from on high, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then you'll be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. How does that happen? Does it happen with human ingenuity? Does it happen with, with marketing techniques, business techniques in the church? Although some churches could build their churches that way, we want to build our church by the presence and the power of God's Holy Spirit. God filling us with the Holy Spirit. He told them, receive the Holy Spirit. You see, you and I, when we face obstacles in doing the work of God, when we face opposition in our personal lives, how many of you know God's not just concerned about your ministry, he's concerned about the minister? He's not just concerned about what you do, he's concerned about who you are. He's concerned about you personally. He loves you unconditionally. He's concerned about what concerns you. He's, he's, his heart of compassion goes out to you in all of your hurt and your pain and your brokenness. And he sends his spirit to empower us, not only for ministry, but for life. Do you remember the story of David? That wonderful story that we learn at a young age, the story of David and Goliath. Here we have Goliath, nine feet tall. And here he is defying the people of God. He's blaspheming God in everything that is holy. And he's challenging God's people. And he calls for the nation of Israel to send a man that he would fight for. And it was a winner-take-all proposition. And no one would step forward, not even King Saul, but David stepped forward. 
He had fire in his eyes. He had a faith that was aglow with the presence of God. And you know what he did? He told, he told Goliath, he said, listen, you come against me with a sword. You come against me with a spear. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. What was he saying? You're coming with human resources, but I'm coming with the authority of God. I have the backing of Almighty God, and I come in faith and expectation that God will do what he said he'll do. And I love the story that David did not run from that giant. He ran towards him. I don't know about you, but sometimes in life I can, I can run in fear from some of the smallest problems. And afterwards I scratch my head and I say, what was I thinking? I was just being human. I'm just being honest. I know none of you want to be honest this morning. But when the Spirit of God comes upon you, you run towards your obstacle. You can run towards your giant. Not in your own strength, but in the spirit and the power of God. You know, we, we, we draw our authority from the Holy Spirit. We draw our authority from the word of God. For my wife and I, traveling to, to Liberia, it's a vision, it's something that, that God has placed upon our heart, uh, but, but it's a grueling schedule, it's a grueling journey, uh, and, and it's not glamorous as it sounds. It will be when God, we get there and God uses us, but, but the journey is not easy. And, 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 and I've, been to, I've been to Africa many times, about a dozen times, I've been, I've been robbed, I've missed flights in the country, I've been on a journey that should have taken two, three hours that took seven, eight hours because three vehicles broke down and we had to take public transportation. And don't think of public, public transportation as you think in here. Public transportation is a van that you fit in as many people as you can and some are hanging out the window. You ain't seen public transportation. You get to know people up close, close and personal. Hello. <laughs> I've gone in potholes that I thought I would never come out of. You ain't seen potholes. And I've eaten some things by faith. Amen. But we trust and we stand up there, and, and I encourage you, whatever you do for God, you lead in worship, you preach, you minister to the children, you're working in the parking lot, you, you, you stand there knowing that his spirit is empowering you, that you're not doing it in your own strength. You're doing it in the strength and in the power of God. Amen. Would you stand together with me this morning? Delegated authority and power. The Bible uses the word ambassador, saying that we're ambassadors for Christ. What is an ambassador? He goes representing his country to another country, and he has the full backing of that very country that he represents. You and I are called to be ambassadors. That means we are representatives of heaven and in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says that we are, we are we're representing God and, 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 and representing the cross and that we, we preach reconciliation and we're ministers of reconciliation, that God was in the world 
in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, and he's committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. He's given us that delegated authority. But I'm grateful this morning that we go with his peace. We go to fulfilling his program. It's his agenda. And then we go with his presence. So I want you to pray together with me all over this place. If we can just come back to the keyboard, Tara, please. And just, we, we, we just worship and, and commit ourselves in this hour in history. God is not calling us to run in fear. God is not calling us to pull back, to just kind of circle the wagons and wait for Jesus to come back. No, we're, we're supposed to be doing his will. Pastor Lisa and I are going to, to Liberia to, to do the work of the ministry, to, to, to do discipleship, to not only disciple the church, but to disciple the nations. And you go with us with your support. We're rejoicing that somewhere between three to $5,000 has come in that we'll be able to bless the work of God, the man of God in another nation. We rejoice that Victory Church, we rejoice that in your life, in your family, God is doing something. God is at work. God is developing you. God is maturing you. God is going to give greater breakthroughs in your life. I want you to stay encouraged that we go not in our own strength. We go in the authority of Almighty God. We've got the backing of heaven. No matter what man says, no matter what the devil says, no matter what we might feel, Whatever we do, we have to stand up with the authority of God and say in Jesus' name, come on, we say this morning, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So right now, would you lift your hands up? I want to pray over you. Come on, I want you right now to receive the peace of God. Peace, shalom. Come on, do you receive it right now? Come on, say amen. amen. I receive his peace. I receive his shalom. Come on, he, he also sends us with his program. It's his, it's his agenda. It's his will. It's his kingdom business. Call to do his will. And we receive that mandate that we're not called to be in, live in fear and, and hide and just and just. Uh, hunker down but but we're called to advance his kingdom we're called to be about his fa father's business and we're doing that and I appreciate the the pastors and the leaders and and the workers in this church I appreciate them because their heart is to move the kingdom of God forward in spite of what's going on in in their world and also the world I thank God for your members and regular attenders for the people of God who are learning how to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. So God, right now I pray that the Holy Spirit would empower us, fill your people, fill each and every one. Let the wind of the Spirit blow in this church. Let it blow in our homes. Let it undo the works of the enemy. Let it reverse the schemes and strategies of the wicked one. Let the wind of the Spirit blow away the chaff. Let your kingdom come. Let your power be manifested today. In the name of Jesus. Can we sing one more song, please? Can we sing whatever the Lord has on your heart? 
Amen. Come on.